0: Welcome to the Motherhood Reimagined Podcast, where we celebrate all paths to motherhood. I'm your host, Sarah Kowalski. Whether you're contemplating becoming a single mother, trying to be one, or already raising kids, this is the place for inspirational stories, expert advice, and informative guides celebrating those who didn't follow the rules as they share the heartache and joys of their paths. Be informed, be inspired, because you do not need to feel alone. I'm so excited for our next guest, Abby. Together today, we end up talking about her decision to have two kids on her own, as well as her choice to move to Mexico and get out of the grind of Brooklyn and be able to spend more time with her kids, and her really beautiful description of donating an embryo to an acquaintance of hers and how that relationship is turning out. Let's get started. I'm here today with Abby and really excited to chat about her journey to motherhood. Hi, Abby. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm great, thanks. So I wanted to start off just asking what, as like as a child, what you expected for your life and about anything to do with motherhood.
1: <laughs> I guess I assumed that I would get married and have a few children. I was very clear that I didn't want them too close together because my brother and I were just under two years apart, and I thought that was too much.
0: (laughs) That's funny. And how did your path differ from what you pictured when you were a kid?
1: Well, I always assumed that I would get married, although I never really thought about who I would marry or what that person would be like. And then I remember when I was 25, I was in a bookstore in San Francisco and I saw Jane Matt's book about single mothers by choice and I kind of thought, oh, that might make sense. But then I tabled it for another 10 years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so tell us a little bit about uh, what your path to motherhood ended up being.
1: So I was still operating on plan A until I was about 35. I was in a number of relationships and then one ended that I thought had been going really well and it ended sort of out of the blue. And I realized the next day when I woke up that I was just done. I didn't want to date anymore. And I thought at the time that that meant actually I was going to buy real estate and settle down and stop waiting for some person to tell me that the time was right. But then about three weeks later, I realized, no, wait, I don't want to buy real estate. I want to have a baby. Mm -hmm. So I went into therapy thinking that I should just sort of clear the decks and make sure I was as psychologically healthy as I could be. I did that for about six months while I started tracking my cycles. And then uh, I went to see a reproductive endocrinologist and got the ball rolling. That was, I think, about when I was 35.
0: Cool. And then so can you tell us how, how that, what transpired and where you're at now? A little bit about what it took to get pregnant and how many kids you have and that sort of thing now.
1: So when I went to see the doctor, I brought my charts with me and he could tell that I wasn't ovulating because I had PCOS. So I immediately started taking metformin and doing medicated cycles. I did four or five medicated cycles with a known donor actually doing ICI at home which were unsuccessful. And at that point, I switched to using an anonymous donor, and I did an IVF cycle and had ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome with that and ended up in the hospital for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. So I waited a month and then did a frozen embryo transfer with two embryos and conceived my oldest daughter, a singleton. And then, I guess about two and a half years later, I thawed those my leftover embryos and did PGS testing on them. I think I had three good ones. I did, or maybe four. I did two successive single embryo transfers, both of which were negative and decided that the thawing and refreezing hadn't been good for my embryos. So I did another IVF cycle with PGS testing of the embryos and was actually able to do a fresh transfer the next day with my one good embryo that was ready to go at that point and conceive my second daughter.
0: Oh, interesting. I thought that once, if in order to do PGS testing, they had to freeze the embryos.
1: That is, I believe, how it works now. When I was doing it, they had an option to do a rush, a rush biopsy if there were embryos ready to biopsy on day five. So I had two that were ready on day five, and they biopsied those. One was good and one was not and then i had several the next day which were biopsied and frozen
0: oh okay interesting and so also can you sort of back up for me you said something very interesting to me that you originally started with a known donor and then you sort of scrapped that idea and decided to go with a anonymous donor from a sperm bank can you talk a little bit about the choice to initially use a known donor and then to switch yeah
1: so i think when i started trying I thought that it would be nice for my child or children to know their donor and to have a lack of mystery there. And I also thought economically it would be helpful for me. I didn't have a lot of money, and so I yeah, I started out trying with someone I actually met on the Internet who already had a family but was looking to help someone else have children. Um, And it seemed really good at first, but it got weird pretty quickly. And I think we both decided mutually that it wasn't the right fit, and so I switched to an anonymous donor and Now, in hindsight, I'm thrilled with how it worked out, knowing that there'll never be a potential for drama mm. just feels it just feels simpler and cleaner to me
0: mhm mhm. And can you talk a little bit about how you picked your sperm donor when you used a bank and that process? I know you told me you have a I have some stories around it. It's a funny story. So I wanted to use a bank that was
1: local to me in New York because I thought I could save money by going to pick up the sperm myself. So I was working with a bank in New York. I had picked a donor. It's funny. It's hard for me to remember exactly what was important to me with the first donor. I remember he played the didgeridoo and was a long-distance runner, and I was a runner at the time, so that (laughs) seemed appealing to me. And I used to play the guitar and the banjo, so I liked that. But on the day that... They were due to ship the sperm to my doctor because I decided not to pick it up. It seemed too complicated. They called me as I was walking home from work and said, there's a problem with your donor's vials. Even though the specimen is fine, the labels are chipped and we are pretty sure your doctor won't accept them. So you need to pick a new donor and you have an hour. Oh my God. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. oh my God. so. I said I'm walking home from the train right now, and they said that's fine. Call us when you get home, and we'll help you. Oh so I got God. home, and I called the manager of the lab, and I said the only two things that are essential to me are that the donor be ID release, meaning my child or children could contact them when they turn contact the donor when they turn 18, and that he's CMV negative, which was a requirement of my doctor because I was CMV negative. So the lab manager said, I have eight people here that I'll recommend to you and two favorites. So I picked one of his two favorites and it just didn't seem to matter that much to me. He sounded like a nice guy. But when my daughter, my older daughter was three months old, my sister asked me something about his eye color and I couldn't remember. And I went back to look at his profile online and discovered that, in fact, he was not ID release.
0: Mm.
1: He was anonymous. And that part isn't funny to me at all. That was really devastating.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The funny part was just that I picked a donor in like half an hour just didn't <laughs> seem like it mattered that much. <laughs> so that was really upsetting because I know I was very clear with them that that was really critical to me. Mm-hmm. But I figure, you know, by the time my daughter's 18, if it's something that she's interested in this day and age with technology being what it is, I can help her mm-hmm. try to find her donor. And if we can't find him, then she'll know that I did my best
0: to try. Mm. Yeah. So when you say you called the, you talked to the person in the lab, the lab at the sperm bank you were talking to.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. And so I talked to a lot of women about picking their sperm donors and... I try and explain that it really – that it feels so significant while you're in the midst of it or at least I know I had the same – similar experience where I agonized over the picking my first donor, spent weeks, you know, culling through profiles and going back and forth and asking every single friend and then I had to pick a second (laughs) donor and the second donor was not as quick as you but it was in I think 20 (laughs) – it was probably like 24 to 48 hours that I picked the second donor. Mm And that also that the donor sort of fades into the background in a certain way after you have your kids. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that on your perspective?
1: Sure. Well, I think, you know, looking at my family, you know, we we know we know where all the genetic material came from, right? But me and my brother and sister were all so different from each other. It feels to me like it's always kind of a crapshoot. You get what you get, you know. Mm-hmm. And your child is going to be perfect and who you were meant to, to have regardless of the donor. And, and that certainly, you know, that f- feels very true to me now after having had my kids who are similar in some ways and really, really different in others. So I think ultimately it, you're going to, you're going to be happy with whoever you get.
0: Mm, yeah. I, I think that's true, but it's just, I love hearing that from more and more women. Um, mm-hmm. so any advice you would give to women about picking a sperm donor? <laughs> I guess,
1: you know, along those same lines, I would say, don't sweat it too much. Mm-hmm. You may end up having to switch donors as I did and your child will be perfect for you. And I mean, of course the health part is important, but beyond that, I just, I don't think it matters all that much. You're going to get a great kid and you're going to love them to death.
0: hmm Yeah. I, I totally agree. So can you also talk a little bit, so I know you have two kids, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. what was that decision like in order, you know, about having two children? A lot of people, I think when they're single mothers, that's a big question for them, whether or not they should have two or not. Can you talk a little bit about your process and what was important to you?
1: Yeah, it was definitely a really big and hard decision for me, much harder than deciding to have my first I thought all along I might have two, but I really wasn't sure. And I was on the fence until my older daughter was about two and a half. And then I started to feel like, gee, I'd really love to have that experience again. It was so magical the first time, especially those first 18 months. I just felt like I was on cloud nine. Mm. And uh, yeah, I wanted to do it again. It was important to me to wait until my older daughter was a little bit more self-sufficient. As I mentioned, you know, my brother and I are less than two years apart and things just always felt really hectic in our house. And so I wanted to make sure both of my kids would feel like there was plenty of love and attention to go around. And I have to say it was much, much harder the second time. Um, I didn't have the same honeymoon experience that I did with my first. I often think that you never get to be a first-time mom again it's it's hard. I mean, you're juggling two kids and you're juggling their relationship, and there's just a lot less time and energy to go around. Mm-hmm. I mean, that said, I adore my younger daughter, and the relationship that she has with my older daughter is magical. I'd love to watch them together, and I have no regrets, but life is definitely a lot
0: harder now. Mm-hmm. So any advice to women who are trying to decide whether or not to have a second? <sighs> That's tough. I think
1: it's really important to not feel pressured to have two or for that matter to have one. But I've heard a lot of SMCs on the forum say that they felt a strange sort of pressure to have two because so many other women are doing it. Hmm. I think it's really important to know yourself and know what you have to give. I'm definitely not as good of a mother with two kids as I am, was with one. I'm just less patient. I have less. I have fewer resources. So I think if you know that about yourself, it's so totally okay to stop with one. It's great. I mean, having two is great too. But I, I think some women maybe feel guilty that they're not giving their their child a sibling, mm-hmm. and I think there's no reason to feel guilty. Only each woman has to know for herself what's going to be the best thing for her family as a whole.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I hear a lot of women say that they it's a consideration around their child not having a sibling or having a sibling and feeling like when they were growing up, they loved having a sibling so much. So they feel mm-hmm. like they have to give one to their kid. And I always try mm-hmm. and say, like, you can't predict how your sibling, your children are going to react to each other. You need yeah, to you definitely. have to make the decision for yourself not for your, not projecting onto your kid what your kid wants. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And you
0: never know what you're going to get. I mean, you could get a child with special
1: needs or you could get two children that don't get along very well. So, I think you a, a woman should really make the choice based on what she wants. Mm-hmm. And and then hope for the best.
0: There's no guarantees in life. Yeah. So, do you have any regrets about how you became a mother or about your path in any way? I don't think so. You know,
1: part of me wishes I could have started a little earlier, but I think that I probably wasn't ready earlier. I think each woman has to – that you have to be ready before you can make this leap, and it's a process getting there, and at least it was for me, realizing that I was going to do it on my own. I do think I had to grieve that, just giving up the plan A, mm-hmm. even though now I'm thrilled with my decision. Would it be great if I was younger and had more energy and more time and more resources? Yes, in in theory, but I think I wasn't ready until I was ready.
0: So, do you feel like now that you're a single mom that if you had the choice to do it with a partner, what would you pick?
1: <laughs> I definitely would not pick to do it with a partner. I'm <laughs> I'm really happy with having done it on my own. I can't even imagine having energy for another person right now, mm-hmm. and. I see families with two parents, and it looks like such a slog sometimes. There's just one more relationship to manage. I I see often there can be anger and resentment between parents. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, you also have someone to share the joy with, and I I envy that, especially with my kids not having grandparents. My mom died when uh, I was trying to get pregnant with my younger daughter. And I really miss having that person who wanted to hear about the minutiae of my daughter's day. Mm. I think that's the only regret. But no, I don't wish for a partner. I, I feel emotionally fulfilled. Maybe someday when they're older, I'll want to date again. And I did date, actually, but I have no interest right
0: now. Great. Okay. Yeah, I, I can say that I feel similarly. So we kind of already covered this, but just in case you have something else to add. So in hindsight, would you do anything differently from knowing what you know now? I don't think so. I, yeah, I don't think so. I, I think
1: it's a process and we all have to go through it and there's no, I, but there's nothing I would change.
0: Mm-hmm. And what advice would you give someone if they were struggling to become a mother or looking at becoming a single mother by choice?
1: I think I would say if you know you want to be a mom, and you haven't found the right relationship and you're ready just go for it. You can always find a partner later if you still want that. But I felt like the last few years of my dating everything was so loaded because in New York City where there you know educated women so vastly outnumber educated men it was so hard to date. It was it was everything was sort of doomed from the start because there was this pressure, you know, men knew that women biological clocks were ticking. So yeah, I think I would say take the pressure off, date for dating's sake, and have yourself a baby.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And in what ways has being a mother been different than you expected?
1: I think it's been different with having a second child. I didn't realize how much less patience I would have (laughs) and energy, especially when I was working full-time you know up through the end of last spring and taking my older daughter to school with me it was just so busy all the time mm-hmm. i was out of the house 10 and a half hours a day and i just felt like i was rushing every moment and really rushing through life and not enjoying it and i i didn't i didn't quite predict that
0: mhm mm-hmm.
1: i wasn't and I, as a result i wasn't being the mom that i wanted to be
0: right and so you mentioned that you are no longer working full-time, and I know your story, mm-hmm. but can you share <laughs> um, share with the listeners what what has shifted in your life?
1: Yeah. So last, last school year, I don't even know what triggered it, but I suddenly just realized I needed to make a giant change in my life. And I asked for a sabbatical from my job as a nurse practitioner, was denied that request. And so I quit my job of 12 years and moved with my girls from Brooklyn, New York,
0: down to Mexico. Wow. And so what has that, how has that shifted being a mother for you?
1: It's been great. I'm working a little bit part-time remotely right now, but I have a lot more free time. So when the girls come home from school, I feel much more emotionally available with them. I feel like I'm doing a lot less yelling I have more time to really focus on being present
0: with them. And anything you would just say to women who are thinking about a big change like that? You know, I think it's so hard to go against the
1: grain in the United States, at least in terms of feeling like we should be slaving away and working towards our retirement 25 years from now. But if you look at the finances, sometimes it actually makes complete economic sense to move away from that as well as. Sense from an emotional perspective. So if you're unhappy with the status quo, don't deny yourself the opportunity to at least research your options because you might be surprised that there's a lot more out there than you imagined. I think economically, at least for this year, I'm definitely not worse off for having moved here Mm -hmm. where the cost of living is so
0: much lower. Yeah, awesome. And so, what do you love most about being a mother?
1: Well, it's hard to put into words. I love watching them grow up. I love listening to the funny things they say when they make discoveries about the world. Observing them learning to talk is the funniest thing. My daughter, (laughs) my younger one right now, really likes the word instead. So she just adds the word instead to the end of every sentence. And it's just so funny watching her figure that out and she's trying to understand gender pronouns right now and and switches them up pretty frequently and (laughs) watching my older daughter climb the aerial silks in her gymnastics class and watching my little one learn to swim and my big one is learning to knit and to read and is a really great artist and just watching them explore the world it's it's amazing and Mm. And that they seem to really love me in addition to all that. It's just miraculous.
0: (laughs) And what would you say you love least about being a mother?
1: (laughs) Bedtime, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) The, The logistics of getting people dressed in the morning and brushing teeth and packing lunches and getting people out the door and when they get tired or hungry and they start acting crazy and don't listen and I'm barking at them, that's the part I like the least. And I'm trying to work on the barking part. I've gotten better, but I'm not, I'm certainly far from perfect.
0: (laughs) Well, I've never seen you yell at your kids, so. Oh, (laughs) that's surprising (laughs) to me. (laughs) But nice to hear. <laughs> and then, just to I, I know for the listeners, Abby and I are both in a similar location in Mexico, so I know a lot about our story. So I know that you ended up donating some embryos to someone. Would you mm-hmm. talk to people about that? I know it's a a decision that a lot of people have to make, and a lot of people are interested in receiving donated embryos. Could you just talk a little bit about how you came to that choice and what it's been like for you?
1: Yeah. So. I always thought that I would like to donate embryos if I had the opportunity. I felt really lucky in my fertility journey, despite having PCOS. I, I got pregnant relatively easily compared to many women I know that ended up going to egg donor and and trying for many years. So I felt like I wanted to give back from a karma perspective. Mm. And I had relatively easy pregnancies as well, and breastfeeding went well for me. So I just felt so lucky and so blessed. So it was always in the back of my mind. And I think when my younger daughter was was still a baby, actually, maybe a young toddler, one of my closest friends came to me and said a very close friend of hers, who I knew a little bit, was in a marriage that looked like it was ending after two failed adoptions. And would I consider donating an embryo to her if this friend decided that she wanted to go the SMC route and I didn't even really have to think about it I just said yes of course the three of us had all worked together at a summer camp 20 years prior so I knew her a little bit I knew I knew what she was like I knew that she was a good person and she was very close with this mutual friend of ours so that felt like additional reassurance that she's you know, she would be great. But I'd seen her with kids. I just knew it would be great. So she didn't end up telling our friend about my offer for quite a long time. And in the meantime, I was working on creating a trust for my kids, you know, in the event that something terrible would happen. So in creating the trust, I told the lawyer that I wanted to donate my embryos to this friend if something should happen to me. So my my friend actually ended up telling her friend about my willingness to donate my embryos by telling her, Oh, Abby left you her embryos in her trust, <laughs> which I think was a really overwhelming way for her to find out. Mm-hmm. But she was happy about it. She, it took her some time to be ready to consider moving forward with it. She had to process the ending of her marriage, but eventually she was ready and we started talking we met with a psychologist that I had met with prior to conceiving my older daughter just to talk through whatever issues we hadn't yet thought about. I mean, there's a lot of complicated things. Are you going to, would her child have a relationship with my child, children? What would that look like? Would, would my family know about this child? Would her parents meet my children? What kind of contact would we want between our kids? And luckily we seemed to see pretty much eye to eye on everything, which was great and a huge relief. It's pretty scary to to talk to someone about this and say, like, Well, gee, I was thinking maybe we would see each other for a week every summer. How does that sound to you? You know, it just <laughs> felt very loaded. but as I said, we were pretty much on the same page. So we each got a lawyer, which she paid for. She was on the west coast. I was on the East Coast. and we got a contract together. And as soon as her divorce was finalized, which was important because if she was legally married, even if she had nothing to do with this embryo, he would technically be the father. Mm. So we had to wait for that. But as soon as that was done, we signed the contract, sent it off and the embryos were shipped across the country to her. And luckily she got pregnant on the first try, which was great. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it's been really wonderful. I th- my hope was that this would be a way for us to expand our family a little bit. Because what I think I hadn't realized when I first started the SMC journey was by with my kids not having a second parent, they were also missing out on the second side of the family, second set of grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins. And both of my parents are gone now. My dad died before my daughters were born. And they my mom died between the birth of my two kids. So it just felt like a way to create more family. And it's been really lovely. I was really nervous before the baby was born. We called him baby Lucky when, he, when she was pregnant with him. <laughs> so I was really nervous before Lucky was born about how I would feel. I deliberately gave her an embryo that I knew was male because I thought it would be easier for me. Mm. with two girls to feel some emotional distance to a boy. And luckily my friend was very generous and invited us to come see the baby while she was still in the hospital the very next day. He was born mm. on Christmas. So I got a babysitter for my younger daughter and my older daughter and I drove up to the hospital about an hour, hour and a half away to see him. And as soon as I saw him, it was, it was so easy. I, he was beautiful and perfect and she was beautiful and her family was there and it was so great to see them and they were all so happy and it was so clear to me that this was not my child wow yeah this was her baby and i got to be a part of it and that was a miracle and a blessing for me and he he's growing now he's almost a year he looks a lot like my younger daughter but it It just, it's so fun to me to look at him and say, oh, look at, look at his hair. He has my hair, which my daughters don't. It's dark and curly. And he has my little one's eyes and face and it's, it's just fun. And when my kids see him, they dote on him and it's great, but we're not going to see him. We'll go more than a year without seeing him and it's fine. We, we FaceTime and it's great. And I'm excited for the kids to see how their relationship develops, but I don't feel pangs of longing for him at all.
0: Wow. That's amazing. I, I have embryos on ice and I think about it and there's, you know, women who I see struggling and it's like the thought floats past my mind and I'm like, I can't, I, I assume that I would feel really proprietary. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a really beautiful story to hear how mm. it just feels like he's, that it was a perfect gift and that he doesn't feel like yours. That's really amazing.
1: Yeah, it it really, it's been an amazing experience.
0: I feel very lucky. Cool. Wow. So in closing, any other advice you would give to women who are contemplating single motherhood and the throes of it, contemplating a really different path than what they expected?
1: You know, I think the one thing I think of a lot, I see on the SMC forum, a lot of questions about how people are going to sort of come out about their SMC status, usually pregnancy, but sometimes adoption. And people seem really nervous about what other people are going to think or other people are going to say. I have never had a negative experience. I think other people are just not as focused on us as we think they are. <laughs> people are happy about babies and children and they don't think it's weird. And, and there's, there's so many SMCs now in the world. I don't think it's, it feels, huge and dramatic and strange to us, I think, when we first start thinking about it. But I think the rest of the world is happy for us. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there that aren't, but I think the vast majority of people welcome children with open arms and and are not really all that interested in how we conceived our children. They don't. It doesn't matter to them. And I think when I was going through it, I thought, like everybody else, Oh, gosh, how am I going to tell everyone? What are they going to think? Are they going to judge me? Are they going to think that I couldn't get a man? That has not been the case at all. I I told my family through an email, through the miracles of modern science, and my wonderful doctor, I'm happy to announce I'm 15 weeks pregnant. And everyone said, Congratulations. And there was no questions. It mm. was just everyone was thrilled. So I think that would be my advice. Don't try Try not to worry about what everyone's going to think of you
0: hmm I think that's some good advice. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was lovely to have you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to announce the upcoming launch of Motherhood Reimagined Tribe. Tribe is the essential resource for single motherhood. So whether you're contemplating becoming a single mother, trying to conceive, or raising donor-conceived children, then Motherhood Reimagined Tribe can help you embrace your own unique path to motherhood. With our informative guides, blogs, books, services, and support, Motherhood Reimagined Tribe is the perfect place to get the advice and support you need to become the mother you want to be. Tribe launches early next year, but I'm currently looking for founding members to join one of three Tribe masterminds. These masterminds are small, intimate groups of women who are at the same stage of the journey as you. To begin with, I'll have a group of thinkers and triers, egg donor or embryo support, and solo pregnancy. As a founding member of Tribe Mastermind, you will not only get preferred pricing, you will get access to a huge content vault for information for every stage of the journey, weekly group calls with me to go over relevant topics and connect to others in your stage, and a community forum to connect with others at any time. This will be the cheapest price ever available, so don't miss your chance to join at this rate. If you're feeling really alone and isolated or get easily overwhelmed by the amount of information and decisions you have to make, make sure you don't miss this chance to connect with other women and get access to tons of research that's already been done for you. Head on over to the Motherhood Reimagined website or follow the link in the show notes to apply for your spot as a founding member. Next week, I'm joined with Siege, a therapist about to give birth as a single mom. Bye for now.